spending the entire year, we have two months left, to focus on good news in four letters, the gospel in four particular epistles. And, and what we're, we're seeking to, to make sure we all understand is everybody believes something. And that's good news to you. Whatever you believe is good news. And if you've not been with us, I want you to think about what I'm about to show you. If you, if you have been here, you've hopefully been thinking about this more and more. But the way we like to say it is the gospel you believe determines the life that you live and the emotions you feel. The faith that you have drives your feelings and drives the way you function in life. I'd encourage you to scribble that down or maybe take a picture of it. And to process what this means. This means a lot. It means that what you believe, and everyone believes something, whatever you believe, whatever you think is good news and right and best, that's going to drive how you feel, and that's going to drive how you function in life. Now, we know as believers that there's only one true gospel. The Bible teaches is that the gospel, the true gospel, is the power of God to save us from the punishment and power of sin so that we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And, and this is life transforming, knowing that our sin is forgiven, knowing that we can forgive others, so that we can forgive ourselves, and knowing that God is, is guiding our life for his glory, that changes everything. And, and, and what changes that is the fact that, that God has clearly spoken. There's been good news given. And that's what we're talking about right now. As we're in this last series of the year, we're talking about the fact that, that the gospel has been given so that those who repent and, and become faithful disciples uh, that make disciples. That's, what, that's why the gospel's been given. So that we can be faithful disciples that make disciples. Now, to understand how all that works... We're studying the book of Colossians. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, would you now turn with me to Colossians chapter one? We're gonna be in verse 24, but stop off in verse seven and let's be reminded again of Epaphras. Epaphras was the, the man who planted the church at Colossae. The apostle Paul, as we'll see in our text today, never met these people that he's writing to. What happened was Epaphras got saved in Ephesus and then he went to his hometown in Colossae and he shared with them what he'd come to believe about Jesus Christ. He baptized them and they formed into a church. And that church was beginning to have challenges. And so the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this inspired scripture that we're now studying. But what we see in Epaphras is a faithful disciple. So what is a faithful disciple? Faithful disciples are like Epaphras, obedient to scripture, saints set apart in Christ, active members of a local church, and making disciples that make disciples. Now today we're gonna to look closely at God's message given to faithful disciples. And it's important to understand that our, our world is filled with messages. I'm, I'm quite certain that even today, as you, before you got here, you heard hundreds of messages of things that people were presenting to you as true. And it's very, very important that we, that we make sure that we're listening to the right messages and that we know what God's message given is. Here's what, I, I, here's what I know for a fact, and this happens every week. Every week, there are people in our congregation who discover that they're sick. Um, there's people in our congregation who thought everything was fine, and then suddenly they realize there's a significant conflict going on in their marriage or their family or with their friends. There are those in our congregation every week who are faced with financial challenges, job changes, huge decisions every single week. And, and most, most likely, I don't know this for a fact, but most likely 
There's going to be a family here this Sunday who right now would say everything's fine. But by the time we gather again for church next Sunday to gather for worship, their life is going to be turned upside down. Because that's what happens in life. This, this world is broken. And, and how do you perceive, how, do you, how you view what's happening to you in life is determined entirely by the messages you believe. I appreciate what C.S. Lewis said about this. He was a born-again believer. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. The message that you believe will determine the way you see everything that happens to you in life. It's not only that you see by faith what Christ has done, by faith in Christ and the gospel, you see everything else that is happening. We perceive everything according to the message we believe. And it's very important that we understand that, that God's message given, is, it comes to us often challenging ways. There's a lumberjack clearing out an area and he came to a tree and he noticed that there was a a bird, a mother bird building a nest and he knew what that meant. He knew that soon there would be a nest and, and soon there would be eggs and soon there would be baby birds. And he didn't want that, that mother bird or her baby uh, birds to die. So he began to shake the tree. Let me say it this way. He began to graciously shake the tree so that that bird was put into turmoil. And she didn't like it at first and she let him know it. But you know what she did soon enough? She left that tree and she went and found a rock on a mountain and she built her nest on the rock and she was saved. The message that the lumberjack gave, it wasn't one that she was necessarily wanting, but it's the one she needed. The message was given for salvation and the message of, of God is very similar. The message of God often comes with shaking. It often comes in difficulty. It often comes in ways that we don't necessarily want to hear it. But that message is given so that it will lead us to salvation, to place our faith, and to put our lives in a place where we can be saved. God's message given is always good and it's right. And for those of us who receive that message and are transformed by it, we not only love the message, but everything about it. Where it comes from, what it is, and, and who it is that benefits from it. And that's what our text reveals to us today. We're in Colossians chapter one. If you would find your way to verse 24, Amelia is gonna come and read all the way through chapter two, verse five, if she can make her way past the banks. Good girl. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Let me go ahead and tell you, after we read the scripture, I'm gonna have you welcome one another and, and say hello. I, I've been messing with you guys and I, make, I let you sit down and I know some of you have knees like mine, so I'm just telling you right now. After the reading of God's word, we're gonna have just a minute to visit one another. Amelia, read us that long section. It is long, so let's pray for her. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory 
of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and the and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding in the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, and who are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Let's hear from Amelia. Wasn't that good? Okay, take just a minute and welcome those you've been worshiping with us this morning. Let them know you're glad to see them. Love to hear your voices, love to hear the laughter. What a joy it is to be the church. Um, before we go too much further um, and getting into scripture, I wanna uh, talk to our membership again about something else that just dawned on me, I meant to tell you earlier. So this morning, uh, the elders did something we do regularly, that is, and that is we anointed a member of our congregation with oil um, and prayed for that member's healing. That's according to James chapter five, verse 14. And so one of the things that the elders that we talked, we met this week and we talked about the fact that we have not communicated verbally that that is available to you as members. And so here's the thing. Every Sunday at the end of the, of the worship gathering, we're going to have at least one or two elders in front of the baptistry. And if you would like for them to anoint you and pray for your healing, that's where you go. And we'll go into my office. We just came from my office with a group of folks praying for healing. And we're glad to do that every Sunday. It's one of the joys of being a, a faith family, being in church together and being led by elders as we're able to fulfill this wonderful uh, ministry. And, and again, it's a ministry that comes from God's word. And, and it's the, the God's word that gives us this message, God's message given. When God's message given... It's not always easy to, to ascertain. For instance, I love my children. I treasure my children. I don't always understand them. I, I don't always get what they're doing. I don't understand. You know, the, it's, just, it's just kind of confusing to me sometimes. And I'm sure they would say the same thing about me. So it is with God's word. We're not always going to fully understand it. But what we can do is know that it is from God. And that we are to treasure it because it is right and because it is true. And, and what our text does today is it shows us why we should treasure God's word. Because God's word is, is the giver of God's given message. Uh, God's given message is revealed what it is in, in, uniquely. And then who it is it benefits. And those are the three things I, I want you to take notes on today and write down. So the first one is this. Faithful disciples, we treasure the word of God. And you might write next to it, that's where it's, it's, it's found. The message of God that we treasure is found in the word of God. So we treasure the word of God. When you, when you look at verse 24 and 25, 
You see that, that, that Paul was rejoicing in the honor of suffering for the sake of people he'd never met so that they could hear the message that God has given. Now, he says something very peculiar, and I want to make sure we understand. In verse 24, he says, and in my flesh, I am filled up, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Let me make sure we understand what that does not mean. That does not mean that there was something lacking in the life, the atoning death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for salvation. That's not what he was saying. He was, he was not saying, I needed to do something so that other people could be saved. We are saved by the fulfilled work of Jesus Christ alone. His life, his death, his resurrection has provided everything we need for salvation. What the apostle Paul was speaking to is the fact that there's still work to be done. There's still more that the body is, is to do. And, and there's, there's still things that are lacking. And what is lacking is getting the message out. And so the apostle Paul is saying, hey, I rejoice that I get to spread the gospel message. And that's one of the joys that we have. That's why we receive the gift for Christ. It allows us to be those who send out our membership that take the message. Does it, does it have a high cost? It sure does. It, does it require sacrifice? Absolutely. But it's a joy that we get to join in in what God is doing. What Christ has already accomplished, we get to make known. There, there's still lack in our world. There's still others who need to hear. And so it's our responsibility to spread this news. And our goal, look at our goal. This is in verse 25, the latter part. Here's our goal. Our goal, goal is always to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. The word of God... This is a very expensive gift. What I'm holding in my hand right now is a treasure. It's so expensive. Do you know, you know what this cost? The, the meaning of this book costs Jesus his life. This costs the blood of God. But not only does it cost the blood of God, it's cost the blood of many of his people. What I'm holding right now, this Bible, has come at the expense of many saints. Uh, one, for instance, is William Tyndall. Do you know that name, William Tyndall? You need to know that name. William Tyndall wanted the Bible to be presented and given in English. You know what it cost him? His life. Those in power did not want the masses to have access to the truth because they wanted to be able to manipulate and control the masses. And so he left his beloved London and, and England and he went to the, to the continent, he went over to Europe where he was sought out and where he took the time to translate the Bible into English. And when he came home and when they caught him, they killed him. Friends, what I'm holding in my hand right now is a treasure. It has come at the cost of the blood of Jesus and the blood of many of God's people. And, and what this does for us is, is the, the blessings are innumerable. But, but what we must but realize is what we have here is all we need. I understand this. This is so very important. What I'm holding in my hand right now, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter of Colossae, he didn't have what I'm holding in my hand right now. He didn't have all the Gospels. He didn't have all the epistles. He didn't have all of the New Testament. Church of Colossae didn't either. What I'm holding right now is the word of God. And this Bible is not a collection of stories and sayings. It is a single story 
with four parts. Do you know what those four parts are? Can we say them out loud together? They are create, let's say it again because I'm feeling like there's just some slackers out there and there's no nest, you got an extra hour of sleep, all right? Let's say it together. Creation, fall, that's right. And, and, and what we have in the story of God is, are the answers to the four fundamental questions all human beings ask. Everybody you know, everyone in this room, every human being is constantly asking themselves these four questions. Here they are. Who am, who am I? What went wrong? Who can fix it? Where am I going? Hamas is answering those questions today. Secularists are answering those questions today. Buddhists, Muslims, all people of all faiths, all human beings are asking these questions. And the, the answers to these questions are driving everything about their life. The Bible gives the best answers to these questions. Who am I? The Bible says plainly, we are made as image bearers of God. You and I are not a cosmetic cosmic accident. We are made by God in his image, male and female. He created us for his glory. Who are we? We are image bearers of God. What went wrong? We sinned. We sinned and now live in brokenness. And now we don't have peace with God, peace within and peace with others. Not naturally. Naturally, we're, we're in conflict with God, with ourselves and with others. So who can fix it? The Bible says plainly, Jesus can fix everything. He can heal your heart so that you have peace with God, peace within and peace with others. Because he forgives you, you can forgive everybody else. And you can have confidence in every circumstance that God is right and best and true. So where are we going? For those of us who believe, the Bible teaches that Jesus will guide all who trust in him through life and into heaven. Isn't that good news? That's the good news of God. That's God's message given. And it comes to us. It's found in the Bible. And that's why we treasure God's word. Second thing to write down and remember is that faithful disciples treasure the son of God. We treasure the son of God. And you might write out next to, at, next to that, he is God's message. Jesus is the message that the Bible proclaims. And that's why we treasure him as the son of God. You'll see the word saint in our reading today. That word is there four times in this chapter. And it's an important word because faithful disciples are saints. Saints are set apart in Christ. But, but what makes us set apart? Look in verse 27. It helps us understand. To them, that is the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Saints are set apart in Christ for his glory. And, and then we, we are set apart uh, again for the goodness of God to be revealed. God is at work in us and in God is at work for us. And this is the hope of all who believe. We know that Christ alive in us gives us complete peace with God. And that peace transforms our reality. And we can know that everything we go through in life that God is for us. And so we can say, as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. 
My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Friends, Christ is the hope of glory. That, that is why, verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Friends, this is the message that we must always preach to ourselves. Christ is in me. Christ is for me. There is nothing I need fear. If I go on in this life, I go with God. I never go alone. If I die, I am with Christ. Christ in me. Christ is for me. And I get to be with him forever. So friends, you never need fear in life. You never need fear death. Because the message has come. Jesus Christ is the message. And, and we proclaim him not only to ourselves, but to everyone. Because he is the hope of glory. And he makes us something very, very unique. Belief in the Son of God, the message given, makes us God's people. And that's the third thing we treasure as faithful disciples. Faithful disciples treasure the people of God. You might write out next to that. We are the beneficiaries. We, as the people of God, are the beneficiaries of God's message given. It changes who we are. It gives us eternal hope. It, it allows us to, to experience something very unique and powerful that, that is God-inspired and God-empowered. Because we treasure the people of God, there's, there's things that happen. First of all, we struggle for one another. Look at verse 1. And again, this is unique to the people of God because of Christ our Savior who loves us and struggled for us and with us. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Every week as I hear of brokenness in our, in our church family, of hurt and pain, most often I hear about that through members of our church asking for prayer, asking for, for, for counsel, asking for ways that they might minister, ways that we might minister as a church. Because here's what happens when you're, when you're a member of the people of God. You never struggle alone. Not only do you have God with you and for you, you have God's people. You have access to God's people who love you because we've been loved in Christ. And so we struggle for one another. We also encourage one another. Look what it says again in verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged. Let me ask you to do something. If you're a member of this church, never ever just show up, praise, pray, hear the preaching and leave. Make it your purpose every Sunday to find one person that you encourage. Find one person. You don't have to encourage everybody. Find one person and say, I want to encourage you with this and give them a, a, an encouragement. It's best if it comes directly from the word of God. Encourage one another, Hebrews 10 says. And all the more as we see the day, the return of Christ uh, being prepared and coming. Third thing is, because we're the people of God, we get to love one another. Look at what it says in verse, again, verse two, being knit together in love. Our love is like the love of Jesus. Jesus loved us unconditionally. God doesn't say, I, I love you because you're worthy. God just says, I love you. And you know how we love each other? We don't love each other because, one another, because we're worthy. We choose to love because we've been loved. We love each other with the love of Jesus Christ. And friends, if you don't have the love of Jesus Christ, 
Your love is tainted always with selfishness and sin. If you don't have the love of Jesus Christ, your love is always weak. It's always broken. It's dirty. It's always contaminated with sin in some way. But for those of us who are in Christ, we've been given pure love. And we can, we can then offer that pure love. And we can love one another. And then we get to grow with one another. Again, the end of verse 2 and following. To reach uh, all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom we are hidden, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so we're always growing in this knowledge so that we can understand his love, so that we can understand how to care for each other, so that we can be the body of God. And as we do that, we do that for a purpose. Look at verse four. We do this so that we can help each other not be deluded. Now, please prepare your heart, humble yourself to hear this. Just hear it. And don't take offense, just hear it. And don't, don't dismiss it, just hear it. This is verse four. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. I know there's a lot of smart people in this room. And I know there's a bunch of you who would say, I would never reject Jesus Christ for fill in the blank. I, I, I would never fall into error Friends, there are so many half-truths out there. For instance, do you realize right now in North America, there's a, large, there's a large percentage of the population that has no clue what time it is. Some of you are right now realizing. Why? Because some, someone decided that we need to make people either an hour early or an hour late for church every year. Right? That's what they decided. They don't never do it on Friday. It's always the Lord's Day. You know, thinking about half-truths and what, what kind of happens sometimes. There's a couple I know. Years ago, they thought, well, we need to go ahead and switch some of our clocks. So they switched half of their clocks. They woke up the next morning and they couldn't remember which ones they changed. <laughs> so they call their children and say, what time is it? And the children, why? What's wrong? What's wrong? We switched half the clocks and we don't know which ones are right and which ones are wrong. Can I tell you, there are so many people in the world who have half truth and they don't know which one's right and which one's wrong. But you know what we have in Christ? We have God's message given. We have the truth of the richness of, of the fullness of God revealed so that we, we don't have to be deluded. We, we don't have to be confused. As a matter of fact, because we know the truth, we're, we're able to do something powerful. Verse, verse five, and, and I would encourage you to underline two phrases here. They're underlined in my text. Verse five, four, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see, I understood this, I, under, I underlined this, your good order, and I underline this, the firmness of your faith in Christ, your good order and the firmness in your faith. Everyone orders their life. You say, well, my life is in disorder. Yes, you get to choose that. But in some way, you're ordering your life. And, and, and the way you order your life will determine three very important things. Write these down. Let me tell you this real quick. It'll order your boundaries. What I will do, what I will not do. 
You have an order to the way you perceive reality. And your order will say yes to some things, no to some things. Your order will also create a budget. How you budget your money and your time and your energy. Now, some of you are not being intentional with your time. No Christian has the luxury of not having a budget. Every Christian is is commanded to order our lives around Christ. That means we know where every dime goes, where every minute goes, and where our energy is going. Because of this order, we, we understand what we will, what we must, and what we cannot do. We have a budget. We know where our time and energy and money are going and why. And, and then we have beliefs. Those beliefs drive all of that. Why we are where we are, what we say yes to, what we say no to, and how we budget the things that God has given us. Throughout this series, I, I've, I've said this and it's true. And I wanted you to to say it out loud with me. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live and the emotions you feel. What your faith is in will drive your function, how you choose to live. It will drive your order. And it will all be driven by how you feel and how you feel is is entirely based on where you place your faith. So the apostle says in verse five, you need to know your order and you need to know your faith. Now, some of you here today aren't, aren't real sure. Everyone here believes something. You have faith in something you believe is good and right and best. And that's your good news. If it is not the gospel of God, it will not save you. It will not provide what you long for and need. And I would encourage you today not to leave this place until you've talked with me or someone with a lanyard or or, or a name tag so that we can help you understand your faith, how you're functioning, and your feelings. Now, some of you do trust Christ, but let me ask you a question. Is your life out of order? Where do you put your time? What priority do you make for worship? I'm gonna tell you something. Church is meant for every Sunday. Some of you are out of order. The first 10% of our money is to go to God. Some of you are out of order. God doesn't need our money. He just wants to teach us to trust him and honor him. Where's your energy going? Some of you are out of order. You're putting your best energy in something that will not last. Friends, repent. If you're in Christ, repent. Order your life around your faith and what Christ has done for you. God's message given is the truth. Let the truth set you free. Amen. Let's stand together as we pray and, and, and then let me bless you. So Father, I pray that there will be salvation today. I pray for some who are here that have never repented and believed the gospel, that today they'll stick back and they'll talk to, to some of us and, and that today their life will be changed for eternity. Lord, I pray for those of us who do believe that, that your word is speaking truth and we can recognize where there needs to be changes and that we won't leave until we have, we have repented and we have confessed and we have chosen to order our lives around the gospel and to, and to do what is necessary to find and enjoy your blessing. Lord, bless us now as we get ready to go. 
We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.